Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in a very sunny Ontario part of Canada today. Spring has arrived. We're really grateful for that after the winter we've had. And you are watching number uh, episode number 171 of The Yacking Show. And this is the show that awakens you to new perspectives with a bit of entertainment, a bit of enlightenment, and hopefully a bit of education. We bring you special guests from all over the world. It's not my job to introduce guests because my co-host, Kathleen, does it a lot better than I do. So first, let me introduce Kathleen from Waterloo. How are you doing today, Kathleen? I'm doing great, Peter, and loving the sunshine. It feels so good. <laughs> and thank you all so very much for tuning in to our show. We so appreciate you, and we love reading your comments, so do please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. Her name is Carrie Cooper. Carrie, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me today. Now, Carrie, you are a psychotherapist who specializes in helping teenagers and children cope with life's challenges. And we'll get into that. We'll do a deeper dive into that in just a bit. But first, for our audience, can you tell us a little bit about your background and why you chose to focus specifically on teenagers and children? Sure. Um, when I went to graduate school to become a therapist, I knew that I wanted to work with teenagers. They are a very special population and you either love them or hate them. And I happen to love them. I love their curiosity. I love um, their challenges that they bring. It's a really hard time uh, to be a teenager. Everything is changing. You're trying to figure out life's plans. You're dealing with friends, school. And I know my teenage years, I didn't really love them. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to help teenagers kind of navigate this time period in their lives. Yeah. I agree. I can't agree with you more there. I it just, uh, I remember my teenage years. I absolutely hated them, hated right. them. And I, oh, I remember thinking, oh, if only I was 20 years old, you know, <laughs> you're always <laughs> your, your life away at that stage. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've got to throw something in there. What, what it is you know, to be it's young. That always like, yes, carry on. I think that the goal is like, I want to get to the next stage of life. I want to get to the next stage instead of enjoying That's what they right. do have right here. And I think sometimes it's hard to see that. Absolutely. I was just going to say what it must be to be young like you two. I mean, I can't even remember my teenage years. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So when you're working with these teenagers, um, how do your methodologies differ from, let's say, conventional psychotherapists? Yes, I'm, a I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying you're unconventional. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but I just gather you've got a slightly different approach from what I've read I, about you. I absolutely do. Um, you know, with my training, I was trained very conventionally and it was always, you know, you look at the symptoms and what type of therapy are you going to use to help those symptoms? I take a little bit of a more holistic view. Mm -hmm. I also look at how are you sleeping? How are you eating? Are you exercising? Are you getting outside? What is your screen time like? Because that all influences the symptoms. Mm -hmm. So if I have a child who is eating like garbage, not sleeping, glued to their phone, I already know they're gonna be pretty miserable. Mm -hmm. So yes, I need to help them with the symptoms of depression, but 
we're doing an uphill battle if we don't focus on the physical aspects as well. Sure. So that's how I'm very different, that I really take a much broader look and you know, dive into their eating habits and their sleep and you know what they're doing with their phones and if they're getting outside. Hmm. So uh, we know that you've written this fantastic book. We're going to just uh, showcase that for a moment. It's, it's, you, we can see it behind you. It's called Mental Health Uncensored, 10 Foundations Every Parent Needs to Know. Please tell us all about this book. Yes. I wrote this book really because I've been saying the same thing all the time in my practice, Carrie Cooper Holistic Therapy. It's the same, you know, what are you eating? How are you sleeping? And I said, you know what? Every parent really needs to understand how this is impacting their child. Most parents, I think, overlook the fact that water, something as simple as water, if your child is not hydrated, they can be agitated. They can have trouble focusing in school. You know, the moment a child's like, I can't focus, I'm so distracted, we jump to all these conclusions. Do you have a learning disorder? Do you have ADHD? what if you're just dehydrated or hungry? Because I know for me, if I'm not eating well, and if I'm not drinking, I can't pay attention to anything. It's so much more challenging. And, and Carrie, have you seen a lot of that? Have you, have you seen a lot of teenagers that just with very small, with a small amount of effort, such as drinking more water or, or perhaps tuning into the parents and having them change their diet and making sure that they're eating a well-balanced lunch, that actually really, you can see a tremendous difference in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can. Um, and sometimes the, the change is a little bit small and sometimes it's really life-changing, especially uh, with the food. Some of these kids have food intolerances that they don't even know about. Mm. Right? So that impacts you, you know, most of your chemicals, your feel good chemicals are actually made in your gut. That's right. So if you're not eating well, how are you producing the right chemicals? Mm -hmm. It's an uphill battle. Um, and exercise is another big one. When kids start moving, they feel so much better. They feel accomplished. Also just the exercise itself is really helping you produce better chemicals in your body as well. So all of these lifelong changes and they're lifelong changes. They're not something you engage in, you know, for two or three months until you feel better. It's something mm -hmm. you need to keep up. And even adults need to do this. But the healthier your lifestyle, the easier it's going to be to have good mental health. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that does make sense. I was going to ask you more about nutrition and the effect of uh, bad nutrition. You've answered that very well. So I'm going to throw something in. It's an observation first, and then the question will come afterwards. You can hear from my accent, I'm not a native North American. I've only been here 18 years or so. I spent almost all my life in Africa, and I saw black African children in various parts of Africa who, who lived by our standards, awful lives, but worked so hard at school, it would put many of our Western kids to shame. Walking mm -hmm. five or six miles to school in all weathers, eating corn flour, a, a, vegetable, a few vegetables and hardly ever any meat, working hard in the village or in the, on the farm or wherever, long hours, sleeping in bad conditions, and yet they went to school and worked like the blazers to get qualified and better their lives. So that's the observation. So the question that comes of that is, are many of the problems we see now symptoms of affluent an affluent society or not? Yes, I definitely think there's something to be said about that. Um, you know, our, our children now, 
They don't have to work so hard. A lot is just given to them. Mm-hmm. Um, the second half of my book actually really talks about that. It talks about making your child responsible. They need to do things. They need to do chores. They yep. can't have everything done for them. And really when we do everything for our children, we are destroying their internal motivation. Mm-hmm. Why do they need to work hard when they know their parents are going to save them constantly? Why do they need to be organized if they know if they forget their laptop, they're going to text mom or dad and say, hey, run it up to school. And mom and dad are going to say, sure, no problem. Mm. It's hard to say no to your child, but they need to have these small fails in order to become the person that they need to be. They can't Uh, be saved all the time. That's, I would agree 100% with you on that one. Yeah. And uh, my, my boys, I have two boys, they're now both in their mid 40s. And they, they say, looking back, we, we really hated you as a dad because you made us work hard. But now we're so grateful you did. <laughs> you know, they got horses. One of them got horses and said, you can have a horse, but you've got to look after it. You know, uh, I'm not paying someone else to, to muck out the stable and groom your horse every day. That's the deal. Oh, <laughs> he, he wanted, his liking for the horse was greater than his aversion to cleaning the stable. So it, it worked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but again, I, I grew up in a different generation and a different part of the world. Life was a little different and, and certainly a lot harsher than it is today. But it didn't seem to do any of us too much harm. That, <clears throat> that's enough for me. Just go back to Kathleen. This is some more, more sensible questions. So, so Carrie, if someone has a child that appears to be troubled, not doing well in school, has anxiety issues, can you walk us through the process that you would take with that child and the parent if they were to gonna come to you and say, can you help us out? Sure, the first thing I do is I talk with the parents. They're normally the first you know, point of contact and really get a history of what's going on. And when did this change? Hmm. That's always, you know, interesting as well. Did this change when a friend group changed? Did it, you know, change when school got harder for them? What happened? Um, And then I really talk with the kids about their perspective as well. And many times it's a little bit different than the parents. What the parents are seeing is not necessarily what the children are feeling. Mm -hmm. So sometimes there's more drama than the parents realize. Sometimes the child just feels, you know, like they really don't have a direction or a purpose, even though the parents will say, well, they're so scheduled and they're in so many activities, but those activities may not be something they actually enjoy. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of kids right now are really thinking just about the future, not paying attention to the present and everything they're doing is about their college resume, which of course is important, but our entire being can't be wrapped up in something for the future. Right. Absolutely. So I really talk about, you know, what their goals are as well. What do they want to change about their lives? How do they want to feel? And then we start looking at everything entailed in their lives, their daily, you know, habits, their daily routines, and where we can start making some changes, not only with the physical, but also with their mindsets. Uh, Can I pick up on something you said there, they're, they're fearful of the future or concerned about the future. Are those general fears or are there specific fears that that you find amongst the teenagers? I think they're more general. I think they're all just afraid of, you know, what does my future look like? They don't Mm -hmm. have control over it right now. So because they don't know and it's an unknown for them, they're just, they're fearful. 
And also many of them don't know what they want to do in the future, which is mm-hmm. perfectly fine. But yeah, absolutely. many times they don't think that is fine. They think they're supposed to know all the answers. Mm-hmm. 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 Hard to know the answers when you're young. Yeah. I, I give you a quick example of something I did do right with my son. Um, he, he was My older son was pretty good academically. He never worked very hard at school studying, but still scraped through all the time. So when he got to, this is in South Africa, 18, he said, Dad, I'm not going to university. I said, why not? I can afford to send you. No, I'm not going. I said, why? He says, I don't know what I want to do with my life. And I don't want to waste your money by going to university. So I said, well, you, you need some papers. So he's agreed to do a private college one year marketing administration course. And then he came to work for me in my business for a while. And as part of that, I said, I need to send you two countries north in Africa. Um, you're going to drive across borders on your own at 18 years old, and you're going to supervise the loading of a cargo for me. I was importing something. And you're going to do all that. And I'm telling you, you're going to have a hard time at the border because you're young and you're white, and they will give you hassles, and they'll probably accuse you of being a drug smuggler or something. Keep your cool. Otherwise, you'll be in jail. Now, when I told that to parents, they said, how could you take such a risk? <laughs> he did it. And years later, he said to me, that was worth that education on that trip was worth more than any university degree I could have got. And he's done really well in life since then. And he says, given that responsibility and having to sort it out himself. So it just, that stuck in my mind that um, sometimes it's not the right thing to force your kids to university, is it? Right. Absolutely. Sometimes it's not, and that's okay. And unfortunately we're in such a culture of, oh, and what college is your child going Mm -hmm. to? And you know what? That doesn't, doesn't always matter. No, um, no. The life experience is so much more important many times and their drive and their desire to work. And you talked about responsibility. Responsibility is so important. These kids mm-hmm. need to be able to understand that they can achieve things. But when we do too much for them as parents, we're telling them that they can't do something. Yes. When we're you know still doing laundry for our high school age students, telling them, no, you can't figure this out. You can't figure out how to walk, you know, work a washer machine. So they're not developing the self-confidence. Anytime a parent comes to me and says, my child just isn't confident. What do I do? I always say, give them more chores. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let them do things on their own. Yep. Yeah. 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 And, and I'm wondering Kathleen. how many times is it that when you're working with both the children and the parents, that the parents are just absolutely floored as to what you've been able to uncover and in terms of the the root cause, because they just think, oh, no, 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 it couldn't have been that. Does that happen often? Yes, it does. They're always a little bit surprised. And, you know, the other issue is that the children will see something and internalize it differently than the parents may. Mm -hmm. So something that the parents thought was no big deal at all could be something that was really stressful for that child. But, you know, we all view a situation through our own eyes. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, we do. How how are today's teenagers coping with, right at the moment, Ukraine-Russia war, um, the the more older threat of the virus, COVID, um, that sort of thing? Are, Are they, is that troubling them a lot? COVID was a massive challenge in the mental health fields. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I have many friends who are therapists and we would all speak about it. We were all beyond full with waiting lists. Um, kids were just, they were so unhappy. They were so depressed. They were so anxious. All of a sudden, everything they knew about their world 
was essentially taken away from them and they Mm -hmm. were grieving. And I think a lot of people forgot that, that they were grieving. They weren't going to school. They weren't seeing friends. They were missing out on proms, on sports seasons. They were losing a lot. Mm -hmm. It was really challenging for them. Um, It was challenging for them to get out of bed in the morning Mm -hmm. and to, you know, jump on their virtual school. It was very tough and we're still seeing it. We're seeing now them trying to basically re-enter with their friend groups uh, re-enter school now that, you know, the coursework is much harder as well. So now they're still adjusting. It, it's been a massive challenge, you know, with COVID, they never knew what was going to happen next. Mm-hmm. You know, am I going to be quarantined tomorrow? Am someone I know going to get sick? How is this going to look? So there was just massive anxiety because they had zero control over anything. And I, you know, when you talk about Ukraine and Russia, it's just one more thing added to them for them mm. to be, you know, stressed out about. So they do see this world is very stressful. And for them, you know, that's what they've been living these last few years. Sure, sure. Have you noticed um, the level of suicide, the rates of suicide among teenagers and children, in fact, has has really skyrocketed in the last couple of years, hasn't it? Yes, unfortunately, from all the data we're seeing, it has. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's always, you know, so sad to see. And I know the schools are trying to do their best by bringing in, you know, more mental health resources, mm-hmm. but sometimes these kids feel like they can't talk about it and that they can't get the help that they need. So I'm really hoping that the more we have these conversations, the stigma is dropped, mm-hmm. that it's okay if you're not feeling good, it's okay if you're struggling, reach out and get the help that you need. Mm-hmm. And they're really, you're gonna learn skills for life. Everybody, I think at some point in their life should see a therapist to get the skills they need mm-hmm. just to improve themselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now you offer some specialized programs. Can you tell us about those? Yeah. So along with um, individual therapy, I also, through Carrie Cooper Holistic Therapy, offer uh, parent support programs. Oh. So it's called a parent strategy program. And I don't work with the kids at all in this. I just work with the parents. And normally it's like a one-time deal. The parents come to me. Uh, they sit down with me in my office for two hours and say, this is what's going well in the house this is what we're struggling with and how do we fix it? And we create a roadmap of how to fix what's not working in our house, because it doesn't matter how many parenting books you read, even, you know, my book, it's more generalized information. Every family has their unique struggle. So that's the time that parents come in and they literally write down what they need to change and they leave and they implement it. And they normally check in with me a few weeks later. And it's really quite amazing. Interesting. I, I got one for you. Again, uh, it's an observation followed by a question. So when I was uh, late teens, 20s was the, cold, the height of the Cold War, right? And, and there was a real fear of um, total nuclear annihilation, of the world coming to a blazing end in a nuclear holocaust. And it was real fear. But it was before the days of social media, the internet, and with, I think we had one, the country I lived in, we didn't even have TV till I was a late teenager. And then it was one channel, one or two newspapers, which we may or may not get every day on the farm. So we were far less exposed to any form of media than people are today. So although there was concern about the Cold War, it wasn't hammered into us 24-7. And most people came to terms with it and got over it fairly well. There was one or two who never did. Um, and there was protest and all that. But my so the second part of my observation is that media is so pervasive today in so many different platforms and 
so continuous that it's really hard to escape that unless you make a conscious effort to do it, which I have. I don't have any satellite or broadcast TV at all. Um, is that part of the problem, do you think, or is, is that a, an aggravation? It's absolutely a huge piece of the problem. You know, I've been a therapist for almost 20 years, and I have absolutely seen a shift since social media. Mm-hmm. The kids are way more anxious. Um, yep. They're comparing themselves to each other constantly with what they're posting. They're now looking at maps and seeing who's hanging out with who, and they're not included. And yes, they hear the news constantly. So all they get is so much negative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you surround yourself with all this negativity, of course, you're going to feel awful about it. Many times in my office, I will have the kids, I'm like, take out your phone and pull up your screen time and tell me how long you've been on social media for. And the hours are amazing that they're spending on social media. Really? I mean, I've heard as much as, you know, 12 to 13 hours a day mm. on social media, which is wow. insane. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh my so <clears throat> we have a little time left. Kathleen, can I jump in with another Absolutely. question? Go ahead, Peter. I live on a farm. I'm not farming. I rent a house on a farm and I'm in frequent communication with my neighbors and I sometimes help them out if they're stuck. And a big farmer up the road from me had a son and three daughters. Uh, all three are now married, two are mothers. But in school holidays and on vacation from university, those girls drove huge tractors, huge farm equipment, and they worked like 12, 14 hours a day. And they all seem to me really well-balanced kids who don't spend a lot of time on social media. Does this come back to or your point? The more chores within reason you give the kids, the better, better it is for them. Yes. It's it's interesting. These kids go from a world of being completely overscheduled with sports and homework Mm -hmm. to then when they have nothing to do, they don't know what to do with themselves and they just sit on social media the whole time. And I see that a lot, especially with the college kids, because by college, Mm -hmm. a lot of them are no longer playing sports um, and their schedule is different. So they don't know what to do with themselves. You know, these kids don't have any passions or joys that they enjoy. And it's always important for, you know, even at home on weekends, okay, what do you want to do? Like get out of the house, go Mm -hmm. for a hike, go learn a new activity, go take a camera out and take pictures, go figure out something to do, not just sit on social media. And, you know, the other side to that is that, especially for younger children, because social media is being used younger and younger at this point, younger children, it is good to be bored. That's how they use their imagination to play, to go outside and have adventures. Right. not to grab their iPad and go on some game. Right. 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 Yeah. And kids with time on their hands, if they're curious, they discover things, right? Oh, yes. Might just be how bugs walk around the garden. Doesn't matter, but they learn stuff. Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. How That's important. one of the best ways for them to learn. Right, yeah. exactly. How important is mindfulness and how do you go about, how do you go about teaching children about mindfulness? Mindfulness is really important because when you're in the moment, you normally don't have anxiety. Anxiety is when you're stressing about something in the future, something that may or may not happen. If you're in the moment, there's no worries. So a lot of my kids, I work with them on, you know, whatever you're doing, be mindful that you're doing that. Whether it be you're eating, focus on what you're eating, focus on what it tastes like, focus on how it sounds when you're crunching on it, be in the moment. I always love kids to do meditation. 
Um, a lot of my kids have downloaded apps. It's like the one good thing for the phones are these apps mm-hmm. with meditation. Um, and they're able to do them at night to kind of give themselves a break and to bring themselves back. Mm-hmm. But yes, being mindful is just, it's crucial. It can't all be about the future. We need to be living in the present. Right. Uh, and Very it good. also helps them to be m- more connected with nature uh, it just, it's a, it, of course, being mindful or even meditation is such, there's such a calming force in all of that as well. So I, uh, I, I agree with you. So Carrie, how do people contact you and how do they buy your book? Sure. My book, Mental Health Uncensored, 10 Foundations Every Parent Needs to Know is on Amazon, both in paperback and an ebook. So you could definitely head over there to get it. Um, and to contact me, they can go through my website, which is Carrie Cooper Holistic Therapy. Excellent. And for our audio listeners who are not able to watch the video, um, if you go back to the description, when you found this audio recording, you'll find those contact details and links in the description there. Excellent. Well, I think we're just about out of time, Carrie. Thank you so much for joining us today. And um, um, I can't wait to get a copy of your book, actually. And I'm sure a lot of our audience members would love to have a copy of that book as well. So thank you. And thank you all for tuning into a show. Once again, we love reading your comments. So keep them coming. And until next time, take care. Bye bye, everyone. Goodbye.